You're listening to the Digital Introverts Podcast, a show where introverts share their success and failure stories and discuss how they thrive in the digital age. I'm your host, Godwin Chan. Let's begin. Episode 6 of the Digital Introverts Podcast features Jan Keck, a community addict. He is the creator of Ask Deep Questions, which started out as a deck of cards to help his friends connect on a camping trip, and is now being used to facilitate meaningful conversations through sharing personal and vulnerable stories on every continent around the globe. Jan's mission is to help people feel less alone, so by creating experiences, workshops, and programs, he is fueling the movement for deeper human connection. His work has been featured on CBC News, Breakfast TV, CityLine, and HuffPost. And he is currently working on his first TEDx talk on how to turn shallow conversations into deep connections. Let's get started. Hello, welcome to the Digital Interviews Podcast. So today we have Jan Keck here uh, as our guest. So welcome. Thanks very much. Great, fantastic. Um, so. I know, you know, we, we talked a little bit about uh, kind of how to start this off and, and kind of, you know, a little bit of confusion surrounding <laughs> the term digital intro, digital introversion, because I am trying to invent a new term here, but also it's, it is, it does sound kind of esoteric in the sense that what does that even mean, right? So I guess, you know, and change the question a little bit, right? So, you know, in your opinion, what does it mean to be an introvert now, right? In this day and age and, you know, with digital everything? Or digital first? Yeah, that, that second question I got a lot more answers for than the first one. I wasn't sure which direction you want me to take this. So the way I see it is if you're more introverted and use technology to your advantage, you now have access to so much more in terms of finding communities online, connecting with people, being able to provide value through hosting webinars or uh, doing things like we're doing now, video calls that don't require as much energy as attending events in person or go, yeah, networking, having meetings. I still feel like there's a lot of value in the face-to-face, although again, like video calls, what we're doing right now is probably the closest we'll, we'll get to, to like a real human-to-human interaction. Close enough, you know, save for a little bit of lag and, and uh, technology problems. <laughs> exactly. You won't have yeah, internet connection problems when you're when you're talking to someone at a coffee shop. I, at least I hope not. <laughs> Great, fantastic. I mean, like obviously, you know, you've leveraged what you just described to full effect with everything with uh, asked deep questions. I guess for the audience who may not have heard of uh, your work, like, uh, what is asked deep questions and what is it <laughs> in general? Yeah. It all started with me wanting to create more meaningful connections in my life. I've moved to Toronto from Germany now 12 years ago. And in the beginning, I didn't really feel like I was making any meaningful connections. Actually, that's not even true. I wasn't even aware of how strong my connections were until I experienced what what it actually feels like when you really connect with someone. And that was at this weekend retreat that completely blew me away. To this day, I describe it as making 30 new friends in 48 hours. 
because all we did was we came together on some shared values on goal setting and uh, self-development. And through the weekend, we did all these different activities from climbing these ice, it was not an ice structure, it was a structure outside, but it was icy weather. It was like minus 10 degrees or something. Mm -hmm. So we, we all had this emotional, uncomfortable experience that I think made us connect so much better. And the other thing that happened was having these deep and meaningful conversations. And afterwards, I just knew this is what was missing in my life, having these conversations, having people that I can be real with, that I can be myself with, and be having this, these vulnerable conversations. And the cards were created for me to connect with a small group of fr friends and strangers that I took on a camping trip. And it just, like every card basically has a question to kind of explain it a little bit more detail that are things you usually don't talk about and there are three different levels to kind of help you ease into a conversation you're not like uh, sharing really vulnerable stories from the get-go and that just created a whole movement of people wanting to have these conversations i started running events it turned into running workshops now i'm working with organizations i'm working on a ted talk on the topic on how to connect with people and it just yeah became a much bigger thing than what I originally thought it was, just a deck of cards to connect with my friends. <laughs> right, and it's just one little thing that snowballed into something much bigger than just one person, right? And that's how, that's how movements start, really. It's just one person or a group of people who have the shared idea or one idea that they want to bring to the world, and here we are today, right? So Yeah, it's, it, it literally was just following where this is going. I didn't have a lot of control in the beginning. I just kind of took a step at a time trying to figure out what it is. And I'm still not 100% sure what it's going to become, but <laughs> there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of movement. So I'm, I'm seeing, seeing what's next. Mm -hmm, right. Yeah, no, and that's you know, really interesting. I mean, you know, we, we talked about a bunch of these aspects before, like you know, the retreat, it's the, uh, what's it called again? It's the World Domination Summit, isn't it? Right. Um, the one that I attended, the first one was the Supernacular Weekend. That was actually Ooh. local here, just outside of oh, Toronto. That's a, oh, that's another. Oh, that's a new one. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, but once I found that one, the same year I attended uh, an adult summer camp. I attended the I attended the World Domination Summit. It just started. Once I was, I knew what I was looking for. All these opportunities started showing up for me. And all these communities that are already out there that I didn't know about until a couple months earlier suddenly were, were places where I felt like I found my people. Right. And, and that's, I think that's really important for, for any introvert really to be, to be, get more comfortable, right. Is to really find their community and community, you know, right. And then once you find a community or a tribe or whatever, um, then you're able it's much easier that there's a lower barrier to entry to be vulnerable and to, to ask those deep questions, right? And, and, and to, to open up and to uh, connect with each other on a, yeah, on a, on a deeper level. Um, and I think that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I don't know if you've ever heard the term, you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Or yes, I've, I've, uh, I've, been record, I've been recording podcasts uh, this morning and I said that on another podcast, but yes. <laughs> it's, it's one thing that, um, again, around that time where I had this realization that just kept, 
kept coming up and I never really looked at who are the people that I'm surrounding myself with. I never consciously chose those people either. I just was <laughs> hanging out with who I was hanging out with. But they chose you. <laughs> yeah. But once you kind of understand that they actually, just by influencing you, by being around them, uh, by the things that they say or the actions that they take or don't take, they influence the person that you're becoming. So if you're interested in self-growth, I believe you have to consciously choose who you want to be around. And sometimes that means meeting somebody new that you feel like they have a great energy. I want to be more, I want to be maybe like that person, spending more time with them, make like it almost rubs off on you. Um, so, so I started choosing specific people, specific groups of people and just decided to spend more time with them. Right. And that's a really conscious decision on your part, right? To, you know, to spend more time with certain individuals, maybe over others as well, you know, because you want to learn something from them or you want to model their behavior or, you know, you feel a sense of psychological safety from them, right? It, it, it's all kind of, you know, related in that type of aspect. So, and it's funny how, you know, introverts can really be able to find these, you know, groups of individuals, you know, either in person or online. I think like definitely online is, has been a game changer, right? Over the past couple of decades, you know, in terms of for self-identified introverts to, you know, find their community. And it may not be, you know, even based on geographical proximity either. You can find your tribe from around the world or people from, you know, from all over the place, right? Who you feel most comfortable, even though you may not have met them in person either, right? So it's a very interesting phenomenon. And where I was going with this was that, you know, of course, again, you know, you can uh, make as many connections as possible. You can go to the, the, as many networking events. You can have the most LinkedIn connections ever, but you may not be, you know, feel close to any of them because your uh, online profile is just an avatar of your uh, or 2D representation of yourself, right, in real life. And it does not imply, you know, the more connections you have online does not necessarily translate to real meaningful connections in person, right? And, and you know, I've learned that the hard, the hard way uh, a little bit, <laughs> um, especially when I started my LinkedIn journey. So I was connecting with people left and right and then realized, what's the point, right? If I'm not ever going to meet these people in person or if I'm not going to uh, interact with them besides, you know, a couple of messages, you know, back and forth, that's about it. So what type kind of value am I deriving from this relationship? Effectively none, right? So, so I've begun to make more conscious effort to, you know, connect with people who I genuinely want to connect with in terms of, oh, you know, let's be work colleagues, but maybe let's be friends as well, right? It doesn't have to be kind of black and white. Oh, this person is only for work or this person is only my non-work friend, right? It can be a mix of both. It can be neither, right? So, Yeah, I like thinking about friendship and professional networking. I, I actually went to a bookshop at the Art Gallery of Ontario. I don't even remember what the book was that I picked up. But I picked it up, it had a bunch of like quotes and like murals that had quotes in it. All these pictures, I opened it in the middle and there was one quote that I took a picture of and that said, make friends, not contacts. And to me, <laughs> yes, yes, that is what networking should be about. Like networking is not about 
collecting contacts and LinkedIn connections and followers and business cards. It's about creating professional friendships mm -hmm. because if you don't like, and tr like the, the saying is like, you do business with the person you, you know, like, and trust. And that's pretty much what friendship is. It might not be as deep as uh, in a professional way than it is with somebody that you're like personal friends with for years. But in the end, you want to you wanna trust the person and you build trust by being vulnerable with each other. And that just happens over time. It's not something that happens by just exchanging business cards. Of course. And then just, you know, uh, sending a LinkedIn connection and never talking again. And, and then that's what then what is that? Then you're just, you know, you know, collecting LinkedIn connections like Pokemon at the end of the day. It's just, yeah. it's just a collection of contacts. And, it, it, you know, it's to, oh, you know, now you have 4,000 connections, but if you only talk with, you know, a tenth or, uh, you know, 1% or 2% of that, then that the value of that network has, is not as much as say a highly engaged network with 400 people, right? Where you, you talk with everyone on a regular basis. So it, you know, that's something I've had to learn through my own journey of professional networking as well. You know, especially being very cognizant of the types of events I go to now, you don't kind of spray and pray and go, you know, go to every single event that's being offered. Uh, you really find your community, like for example, for me, like I found my community through Discover Your Personal Brand, DYPB, and, and LinkedIn Local Toronto. And that's something I've taken great pride in organizing those types of events and, and executing on them. And of course, that's where we that's where we met. And, you know, the first thing I saw wasn't you, it was the cards, actually. <laughs> right? So, and that's the sort of thing. And, and you know, I'm very choosy about which uh, other events I go to, which are, I don't help organize as well. Because you have to be very conscious of your time, right? And, and where you're, you know, what time are you spending on? Are you spending on cultivating new connections or no rather or just making new contacts or are you spending time cultivating your existing relationships right so it's, yeah it's really interesting that way i i think especially as introverts where it's like in a way your energy that you have every day is limited okay. and the more you interact with people that's usually how you feel more and more drained and it took me a long time to figure that out for myself that although I love connecting with people and I love one-on-one -on -one meetings and like smaller groups, there's still a limit to how much I can do per day. And there were days where I was so excited to meet a bunch of people and halfway through, I'm like, I think I need to cancel because I'm done. I need to like, I need some rest to recharge. And if you want to go to networking events and you actually want to make those connections, choosing those locations, those events, like you said, very carefully is a really important step. There's actually one book uh, by Vanessa Van Edwards. I might have shared this with you uh, before, but she has this exercise which she calls the Thrive and Survive Locations, where you have a list of all the different locations from coffee shop, bar, nightclub, networking event at a big conference, backyard barbecue, like all the different types of events that you could have. And then you just rank them, like which ones are the ones you feel the most comfortable making connections and which ones are the ones you have a really hard time just being there. And that list actually helped me figure out, okay, if the event is that size with that many people, I need to really make sure that the right people are there. Otherwise, I'm not going. So any place for me where it's too loud to have a conversation, which often is 
when you attend a conference and they have a cocktail hour or after party, those are like the worst places for me. And in the beginning, I always was excited. Oh, finally, I can get, uh, I have a chance to talk to people after sitting, let's say at a TEDx conference, watching speakers the whole day, finally at the after party, I can talk to the people that were also watching the talks. But then the music is so loud that I lose my voice within like half an hour and I go home. So I'm not going to after parties anymore unless there is a quieter area. Right. And that's, that's very natural. And that, that kind of same phenomenon happened with me with, uh, with, with another conference. So uh, I actually attended, um, if you know, Collision. So it's a very you know, tech-focused kind of conference that came to Toronto for the first time last year. And so I, I just wanted to check it out and, and see what was going on. And, of course, this kind of conference was, it's massive. It's, you know, over 20,000 people who attended this thing. And, you know, I remember just going, just checking out, you know, an, an after party. And actually, my one of my friends was actually there. I didn't even know um, my, my other friends, who's uh, very much on the extrovert spectrum or extrovert side and he was the life of the party like he you know he was connecting with everyone and then I, you know i just looked at them and i was like yeah you know i you know naturally of course we talked because we we're friends and then you know after a couple more conversations with other people he he went on just frolicking around right and and for me uh, after a couple more it's just like and the sudden realization is like there's way too many people here the music's too loud i'm not having a fun time and so it's mm-hmm. time for me and i recognize that it's time for me to go right and so like i have those types of moments where i just get drained just standing there <laughs> or, or sitting there right yeah. because the environment is just so overstimulating and it's just it's not where i thrive and that's not to say that i don't enjoy those types of environments once in a while but also again it's moderation is key in, in all aspects of life including this one exactly and sometimes attending an event like that you will meet the most amazing person in the hallway or just outside because they're having the same the same reaction to the event <laughs> yes that's, that's, where, that's where that's where you're going to find your people it's if, if you're not having a good time there might be other people also not having a good time so find those <laughs> networking tip 101 <laughs> yeah, yeah hang out hang out at the bar or with the food that's where that's yeah. where all the people hang out that that feel like they're struggling a bit with just walking up to a stranger and having a conversation. So they're right. very yeah. thankful that you would come up to them and tell them that, yeah, have ask them a question. Right. Yeah. Especially those people who just you know quietly munch their food in the corner. Yeah. You go talk to them because they may have the most amazing story that you don't exactly. know. Right. Or because they're just maybe a little bit apprehensive. Right. Not, you know, or, or even a little shy, you don't know, right? So, but they may turn out to be, you know, the most amazing connection that you ever made at that conference. <laughs> you never know, right? So it's very, yeah, it, it's very, uh, it's very, very interesting. And tell me more about your TED Talk, actually. This is exciting. This is news, right? This is new, I guess. And and I guess, when is, when is it? I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be like aired by or done by the time this, <laughs> this podcast episode is released, but when is it? And how did you get that opportunity? So it's happening at the end of March in Calgary. Oh, never mind. This will be released by then. Okay. <laughs> All right. So yeah, it'll be happening at the end of March in Calgary. And the fun thing is how, it, how I got this opportunity was all based on building relationships. And I actually was able to track it back to, to the moment where the first connection happened, kind of like Kevin Bacon's Six Degree of Separation. Yes. yes. Like I tried to track it back. So I 
when I ran my, actually, even before I created Ask Deep Questions, I attended a men's self-development workshop here in Toronto and then signed up with, for a coaching program right after. And in that coaching program was another guy who lives in Vancouver. So we've never met. We've only had, like we shared pretty vulnerable stuff on those calls. So we connected that way. And when I then launched my Kickstarter campaign for the cards, he was one of the first people to support it. And he bought, uh, he got 10, 10 decks of cards to give away uh, nine of them. And one of his friends that he gave it to, she two years later started a TEDx conference. Like she became a TEDx organizer. And then she took the cards to the TEDx organizer, like global conference, global event, where all the TEDx organizers from around the world come together and uh, connect and brainstorm on how to make the conferences better. And that's where she introduced it to the one from the organizer from Calgary. They reached out and I gave them some recommendations on how to run their events last year. And they seemed to really like kind of what it created. And now the theme for this TED conference that I'm actually speaking at is engage deeply and i'll be one of the first speakers of the day just to kick it off because i think what they saw in the work that i was doing it's almost the foundation for their event to be successful is helping people get beyond small talk and connect with each other in a more meaningful way will help every other speaker kind of get their message across more because we'll be doing lots of different activities to have people engaged with the content it's not just sitting and t uh, listening to talks all day. They're actually doing it a little bit differently, where it's a very, very interactive. Right, and that's that's actually what I prefer because the majority of conferences is is it's, it's almost like school in the sense that you just it, it's very one way street where you just sit down and you just listen, where at least like half of the audience doesn't listen at all, a quarter of the audience pretends to listen, and you know a quarter of them actually listen. So uh, having it. You know, interactive is a really good way to help engage, but also uh, to make the content more memorable as well. Because especially if you participate, you know, in a in a back and forth kind of discussion or or, or things like that, and it's really interesting or or it's wonderful how you know that all these different serendipitous connections have are connected, you know, in a way that uh, has benefited you and has also benefited countless other people who will be listening to you right on on that day and. I feel like that theme for for for, for TEDx is uh, is very timely too. It's very. Uh, it sounds like it's built for you. <laughs> I I am still joking, and I'm not honestly not sure what came first. If they first saw my work and asked deep questions, and then cha changed their their title to engage deeply, or if it was just happening at the same time. I'd like to take credit for it, but I don't know yet. I'll, I'll have to ask once I get there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Which, which came first, you know, is chicken or the egg, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, actually, you know, uh, the other thing I'm very curious about is, you know, of course you host a lot of uh, events and workshops as well. Like we, you know, we've previously, previously talked about your, uh, it's the uh, campfire event, right? So, yeah. Campfire conversations. And that's actually the one that they copied a little bit in Calgary. So TED, TEDx Calgary, they've been hosting events and they also added campfire conversations element to it, which I give them some, some ideas for. So I'm, I'm, yeah, there's a very good chance that there will be a campfire on stage when I'm doing my TED talk. Fantastic. A very electronic version, right? Not a real one, right? <laughs> yes. I, I spend a lot of time creating an LED version. It has all the real elements in terms of like kindling and logs and sticks. So you could light it on fire, but 
<laughs> Theoretically <laughs> speaking, yes. <laughs> uh, and I might be pretending to light it on fire during the talk as well. I'm, I'm trying to come up with something a little bit unique. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Because to me, the campfire actually has a few different reasons why it's there. First of all, it's when I first created the cards, I created it for a camping trip and we had these amazing conversations around a campfire. But I think also traditionally, it's one of the places where humans are just known to tell stories and stories is how we connect. So there's like those two things. And then in terms of the visual elements around the fire, like watching the coals burn, it's almost like hypnotizing. You kind of go into this different world and it's completely tech, tech free. Like the glow that you would get from a cell phone, I hope that by my, at my events, it will be replaced by the glow by the campfire and just be this catalyst for, for people to open up and share things. Yeah, for me, you know, campfire does symbolize all these different types of things because I, I used to do Boy Scouts and, you know, we would build campfires all the time, of course, on our camping trips. And because we would always have the most amazing conversations around a campfire. That's what they're designed to do. Like other than, you know, keeping you warm and cooking your food, like it's to facilitate conversation. Right. And so, and of course, humans have been doing this for millennia now. I mean, of course, less now in our modern world, but definitely a lot more before when we were hunter gatherers. Right. And, you know, before written history was even thing, that's how history was passed down orally. That was it. It was just telling stories. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then you just hope, you know, you just hope and pray that your descendants will have a good memory and <laughs> remember uh, what, you, you know, they told them and then they'll pass it down to their children, their children, etc. And Yeah. And I'll share with you one quote that actually just came up on my Facebook as like something I posted a year ago around storytelling that to me just encapsulates everything why I believe having questions on cards and then having people share stories, why, why it's so important. And the quote was this, when we tell stories, we feel seen. So when you share a story, you feel seen by other people. But when they see themselves inside your story, then they feel seen as well. And I think feeling seen, feeling heard, feeling understood, those are like the core needs that we all, all strive towards, like that we all crave. So if you are telling a story that make somebody else imagine themselves in, in, in your story because we have all shared similar feelings. We might not have shared the same experience, but we've all experienced the same feelings before. That's where it's like this, I don't know, I'm imagining the sparks from the fire kind of going up in flames uh, and going up in the air. That's, that's what, what connection feels like. Right. And, and it's, it's really that uh, when you first meet, right, you know, it can be, you know, either a match that, lights and then just flickers out a match that doesn't light at all or a match that lights and and, and sets a spark right uh, for a, a much deeper conversation and honestly this <laughs> this fire analogy is is actually very perfect for uh for you know for the things that we're talking about right now because that's you know and then you know every every relationship really is like is like a campfire in the sense that you know, you can have a very dead campfire where it doesn't even light up at all, you know, in terms of, oh, you don't have the right, you know, spark or the kindling or the resources necessary to make the relationship grow stronger. Or you can have its incompat incap incompatibility, like you can't, it doesn't match in terms of it can't light right, on fire. You can have a, it can light the kindling on fire, but it doesn't 
you know, get the big logs on fire, that means like, you know, it really, the, the relationship worked for some time and then it didn't work. And then you had a blazing bonfire and, you know, that thing will go on for as long as you provide more fuel or more resources or as long as you invest more time, more resources into the relationship, right? Or, or you know, you can have an extinct fire but still have burning coals. And what that means is that, you know, you've lost your spark <laughs> or lost that, um, <laughs> you know, that, that drive to continue connecting. You may have been formerly friends, but then, or, you know, former colleagues or whatever. And then, you know, there is still a relationship there. You might be connected on Facebook, for example, but it's not actively being on uh, you know, like, uh, lit up. If we wanted to run even further with this, going like the Boy Scout direction, like I'm thinking if there are still coals that are like really still hot, but not lighting up anymore, you don't need as much work to light that up again. Like you don't have to invest as much time as starting a new fire with someone. Um, That's true. Yes. Just, yeah. just blow on it and put some, some paper and it'll, it'll burn up again. And to me, that is a good metaphor for why not reach out to people more often with a simple, hey, I've been thinking about you. I hope you're doing well. Right, or, or, or how's it going? Or some very, very simple, right? To, uh, to connections that you may not have talked to in a while, right? So, yeah. yeah. And online. Yeah, and definitely that's one thing I'm going to try to uh, work on this year because I'm notoriously bad <laughs> at following up with people. <laughs> and, and I'll share with you what one really good tip, and this is something that, again, technology, which is something that we're talking about today, has really helped us do a lot easier and quicker, which is sending a personal message rather than just texting. We can now pick up our phones and send a quick audio message or a quick video message. And it honestly doesn't even take, oftentimes it takes less time than typing something if you type more than one sentence, you can probably say it faster in an audio message. And that is very be, true. <laughs> you'll be building such a stronger connection with that person because when you receive it, it feels like that person has put in a lot more work, even if it takes them less time, but just that it feels like they actually care about you more. You're more important to them if you send them an audio message and video message even more so. Right. Yeah, no, that's a very very interesting tactic and, and it, it can it can do wonders i'm sure you've done that before yeah i i actually do it all the time even on linkedin when i connect with new people now on the on, on the app on the phone you can record voice met messages and sometimes when i connect with somebody new i would send them a voice message uh, instead of typing something and they've never met me so it just starts off the the relationship in a very different way like there's not been one person who's not replied to an audio message and they all say, hey, this was really cool. And some of them actually reply back with, a, with an audio message. And then I, I get a feeling of their personality a lot more just by the tone of voice. Of course, and how their voice sounds, right? And that's the, that's the thing with, um, with the different levels of uh, information that you get, right? In, in terms of you know, online text message, you lose a lot of the nonverbal communication, lose the tone, right, especially. And... You know, as opposed to an audio message, then you can detect those types of things. Maybe not, you know, a lot of nonverbal things. And that's where the video call or the video message comes in. Then you, it's a lot more clear than it, it's as if you were there in real time. Of course, even better is video conferencing like we're doing right now. And then even better is the live stream. And then even better is good old low tech one-on-one uh, -on -one in person conversations, right? So <laughs> Yeah, with without technology.
That's right. Um, With your phones away. Yes. Yeah, that, that's the, the one big thing. And actually just learned that there's a term that I didn't know about. I actually have an intern who started working for me and had her do some research for a blog post. And she wrote this whole thing about fubbing. I'm like, fubbing? What's that? <laughs> I've never heard of this. What is it? Like, am I too old? Like, is that a term that young people use? And she told me, no, it's an actual term that is the connection of phone and snubbing. So when you're with someone, uh, let's say at a coffee shop, and they look at their phone and you feel like you were in a conversation or like they're paying not attention to you, but their phone, that's what it basically is about. So there's oh, a I term see. now for it. And I've read the research of all these interesting facts where if you have your phone just on the table visible, you're less smart. You're like, you can't, you can't think as well as if it's not visible. If you have your phone on you, it makes you smile less and <laughs> uh, smiling less will also uh, is like a, if you don't smile as much, it will be harder for you to connect with people. So there's all these interesting research about phones now that I'm like, if I'm meeting somebody in person, the first thing I will do is put my phone on silent and put it in my bag. And um, I've never regretted it once. Right, exactly. And, you know, of course, I've done a lot of, a lot of in-person conversations with the, uh, for, for my upcoming book, right, on digital introversion. And, you know, and, and these are the most, amazing conversations because you know the only thing that i'm doing with my phone at, at these times is just put, hitting record and just leaving it that's it that's all i do right and so it's so amazing how you know the value of just really just really connecting with someone on a deep level it doesn't even matter like you know you, you know you can you can check your social media at a later time you're here in the present you must be here you know in a present doing something right and you know and and that's and the kind of practice of like you know checking your phone everywhere uh, you go, especially in the presence of company or others, it's just, I don't really want to say, well, it is, I don't really want to say disrespectful, but it's, it's fubbing basically. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. what it is. Thank you for the new term. Yes. Yeah, I, I and, would say it is disrespectful, but most people aren't even aware that they're doing it. Like I, I, it's actually, very subconscious. Yes. yeah. If, if you ever want to experiment with this and do a challenge and like, just, I don't know start noting every time you check your phone like for a whole day and just see how many times it is and maybe even before you start that think of a number that you think it is and then see how close you are because i've noticed that when i did, did that as like an experiment i've been checking my phone so many times when i'm riding a five second escalator i'm like quickly check my phone because I'm not, I don't have to look where I'm walking or waiting for the elevator, sitting on the toilet. Like there's so many times where you check your phone that you don't even remember at the end of the day. Like this is, this is the thing that we touch the most more than our partners. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yes. And that's true. You know, yeah, you know, the, the phone or, or, your, you know, whatever electronic device is probably the, actually, it's, you know, I think the, a, a few studies have shown that it's, even has more germs than your actual toilet seat, like your phone, <laughs> right? So now I don't want to even put it next to my face anymore. And you know, and then, and also research shows that you know about ninety percent of people admit to using their phone while in the toilet, right? Mm -hmm. so, and you just you just look at your phone and you just want to um, <laughs> uh, you sterilize it. <laughs> yeah. So 
kind of to say, like, because we're talking about like introversion and digital age, I believe the phone has, like, it's such an amazing tool to help us find these communities, reach out to people that you wouldn't have access to otherwise to connect with new people by leaving voice messages and video, doing video calls. But at the same time, as soon as you're connecting with someone in person, I feel like it's a barrier for connection. So making sure that it's used only at the right time. Yeah, and for sure. And the great irony is that, let's say you're having dinner with a group of friends and everyone's heads down on their phone. And it's interesting that people would rather connect with people, with others online, you know, rather than in the present moment sometimes. I think it's definitely a challenge of, of our time. I mean, we, we are sometimes so much connecting with people online that we forget how to connect with people face to face. Of course. Yes. And it's, especially when I look at all the work I do on helping people get beyond small talk, it's like, once we are spending time face to face, all we do is small talk because we, we forgot how to have a conversation. Or a meaningful conversation, right? Where we, yeah. where we can go beyond just how's your day? How's your job? How's the weather? How's your family? I mean, they're good starters, but at the end of the day, there's a lot more that we can do, right? Especially if we view conversation as an iceberg, obviously. Small talk is what you see on the surface and everything else is underneath, right? So, Yeah, it is. it takes some practice. Like I, it's an art form, really. yeah. and we're practicing it less and less because of the advent of all the new technologies we've been seeing recently, right, in the past couple of decades, which is something that we need to actively combat as well, just because humans, we evolved to be social creatures, obviously, right? And so in-person conversation won't go away anytime soon, and I'd, I'd argue it shouldn't go away, period, right? Because, you know, frankly, we need it, <laughs> right? So For sure. And, you know, it doesn't feel the same when, for example, when, you know, we eventually connect with one another through avatars in virtual reality. That, what does that mean, right? And that's what people are working on right now. But at the same time, is that, what does that even mean? Are we going to be living more in the digital realm than in the physical realm? Like, and you have all these different types of questions, right? And, you know, even, you know, 20, 20 years ago, like, the hallmark of quick and fast communication was through a rotary phone, <laughs> right? And, and now, you know, look at all the different ways we can communicate nowadays. And, you know, like I said, it's great that you can, if, if used in moderation and as tools uh, to uh, help enhance existing relationships and maybe make new ones. But at the end of the day, still nothing meet, beats meeting up in person, just having a chat. Yeah, I actually met one person through LinkedIn, actually maybe even through the LinkedIn local in Toronto. And his whole challenge was connecting with people online and then setting up like in-person meetings. Right. And I thought that was, that was a great strategy because he's using technology to reach out to people that he wouldn't have access to, like he wouldn't meet them on the street. And you can use like the search function to kind of find people in very specific industries or areas or job titles, or even using that something, something like Facebook groups and connecting with people that you have shared interests, but then taking the next step and not just leaving it at a like text message, voice message, video message, but trying to set up a time to meet in person. And that, that to me is a, is a great strategy. And if I 
would add one more thing to it. It's not just doing one-on-one -on -one meetings, but also bringing a group of people together to, to create an experience. Because there's, yes, face-to-face -face meetings are great, but I also think people could get a lot more creative than just meeting for coffee. Um, oh yes, that's just the tip of the iceberg, really, because you can do a lot more. You can there's all sorts of inexpensive activities you can do uh, as a crew, right? And, and you know, let's say you want to take the afternoon and go try painting at a, uh, at a in a painting class, or you want to learn how to dance, or you learn how to rock climb, or whatever. There's so many different ways, you know, to uh, do activities. You know, rather than just me meeting someone uh, in the coffee shop for coffee, which I don't mind. That's that's great. I love I love connecting with people like that. But definitely, variety helps. Yeah, or like something like let's go for a walk. Let's do a walking meeting, and you meet at at the park. And maybe there is a coffee stop in the middle, but it's not just sitting down and having coffee. People will feel very different about you if you put a little bit of effort in it. Like another. Another example of one person that I know, he says, I know where they sell the best cookie in all of Toronto, and I will take you to that coffee shop to have the best cookie. And it's still getting coffee at a coffee shop, but just the way it's packaged is like, no, we're going to eat this cookie and we're going to really enjoy it. And this, like, I've tested all of them. This is the best one. It makes it a more memorable experience. For sure. Yeah. If you package it, package it like that, then it you know, it feels a lot more exciting than it actually, well, it feels a lot more exciting in general. I'm not going to say yet than it actually is. It's probably pretty exciting, but like, you know. <laughs> it, I, I went to try the cookie and it was pretty, pretty great. Like I, I started taking people there too now because right. the cookie was so great. All right, for our Toronto listeners, what is this place? Where is it? <laughs> oh man, I, I, I would have to look up what it's called. I haven't been in, in a couple of months. <laughs> I'll I'll find it and and let you know. Cool, sounds good. <laughs> because now I'm tempted right. to to make a trip there myself. So it's at Le Gourmand on Spadina and Richmond. Cool. All right. If you caught that, meet me there for a cookie. <laughs> exactly. That's where we'll hang out next. <laughs> exactly. Cash is there. <laughs> cool. Yes. What's next for you? Uh, you know, in terms of you have the uh, the the TED talk and the or TEDx talk, rather, you have you're, you're continuing the the workshops and and other events, right? And also, you still have your cards, which are you know still available uh, for purchase, obviously for your all of your small group needs uh, for those of <laughs> you listening and. Uh, yeah. What what next? Uh, what is the uh, future for deep ask uh, deep ask questions? Ask deep ask questions. Deep questions. Um, <laughs> well, there's actually two two big goals that I have for the first half of 2020. Um, so the first one is I'm developing this workshop on psychological safety right now yes. that I want to bring to organizations and teams because I believe that that's very like it's very aligned with the work that I do around creating a safe space for people to be vulnerable with each other. And that, in my opinion, is needed more in the workplace. So teams can uh, admit when they make mistakes, they can speak up when they have ideas that might not be fully thought out without being afraid that they might be made fun of or that nobody really listens to them. So I'm creating this experiential team building workshop uh, maybe there's also going to be like a leadership skills training further down the line, but it's it's a topic that I'm researching right now and putting all the the details together based on what I've already been doing at events. 
and I can't wait to to get that started. Fantastic! Sounds like you've got a lot of things on your plate, and uh, it all sounds very very uh, exciting. And Actually, I'm, I'm I'm focusing this year on only doing four things because I always have way too many things on my plate. So to <laughs> me, this is like the one thing I will be doing for the next few months, and then every quarter I will pick one one big big goal to focus on and everything else will have to wait or run kind of in the background with very low low time and energy investment right and i think that's important because you really want to avoid doing a bunch of things uh but at a very mediocre level and rather just focus on one or two things that you know we can focus on uh, at least you know for a predetermined length of time and then and then once that's set up and going, you know, then you can do, divert your energies to some other projects that you're, you, know, you want to start or you want to yeah. yeah, like like with this one and the way I see it, I create this, this format of a sprint. So I have three one-month sprints in a quarter, so I can do three iterations of something to just get something out really quickly and of a prototype and then improve it. And the great thing about it is that once it's created, my goal is to turn whatever I need to do to keep it going into a habit. So for me, creating this workshop will now take a lot more time in the beginning. But once I have a landing page on my website, I have the outline of the workshop, I have testimonials because I ran it once uh, or twice, I can then turn it into a habit of reaching out to companies, offering it to people that I'm, I'm meeting. Yeah, and then I can spend the rest of the time working on creating the next thing. Right, because you, you know you do all the leg, or most of the legwork at the beginning to set up the infrastructure for whatever project you're working on, and then once you have that system in place, then you can essentially automate it in a sense, right? And mm-hmm. it was much easier, and you don't have to devote as many as much time or mental energy, right, to to uh, keep it to keep running that, and then you can focus on other things, right? And so yeah, I feel like that's the uh, that's that's the best approach, even for for myself, right? Yeah. You know, as you know, I'm publishing uh, my book. This podcast will be, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll know when it's released when I, when you listen to this episode. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm quite excited to, to follow the journey and read it once it comes out. Perfect. Sounds good. And, you know, just to uh, wrap things up here, uh, where can people find you? Where can people connect with you? <laughs> now, of course, in person, but initially, probably online, right? <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll start with online. And then if anybody's interested to set something up in person, you can send me a message or, or come to one of my events. The easiest is if you go to askdeepquestions.com because that will take you to one subpage on my website that talks about the cards. But if you use the menu on the top, it will, you will find out everything else, the workshops, the events. Uh, some of the other work that I do and yeah, feel free to reach out on like social media where I hang out the most right now is Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Um, so if you're on, on any of those platforms, feel free to connect. Great. So it's just, it, it's just your name, right? <laughs> on those uh, social media platforms. I think it's actually Mr. Jan Keck because. Oh, you're Mr. Okay. <laughs> yes. Because with a name like Jan that is spelled J A N you yes. get a okay. lot of people confusing me for a woman. And so in the very early stages, when I set up my social media profiles, I made sure that I get all the misters in front of Ah, me. I see. Okay. That's, that's smart thinking. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you once again for uh, coming on to the show and we'll, uh, we'll catch up soon. Yes. Thanks so much for the opportunity. 
and I'm excited to listen to this when it comes out. Perfect. Sounds good. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Digital Introverts Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing and leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at D-I-G-I-I-N-T-R-O-S-H-O-W. And you can follow me on all social platforms at G-O-D-W-I-N-H-S-C-H-A-N. I appreciate everyone who listens to the show and let's change the world quietly.